0: Hey folks, it is so good to have you join us today. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been amazed by something? I mean, really amazed. I remember when I was 19 years old and I visited Colorado, and the first time we drove through the Rocky Mountains, they were amazing. Maybe for you, it was seeing the ocean for the first time, or the birth of your child, Or maybe it was a feat of human engineering like a skyscraper, or maybe you visit ancient structures like the pyramids. What was it that captured a little wonder and amazement in your life? Today, we're going to look at a story where Jesus is amazed. So if you have your Bible, please grab them out and turn to Luke chapter 7. And for those joining us today, we are walking through the Gospel of Luke in a series entitled Investigating Jesus. It is our hope that through this, you will have a better understanding of who Jesus is and his desire to be involved in your life. So far, Jesus has been traveling around, he's healing people and teaching them, and the people are amazed. But today, as I mentioned, Jesus is amazed by something. What could possibly amaze Jesus? We're going to walk through this section together and then grab a few truths about Jesus in the end. So here we go. Luke 7 Picking it up at verse one. When Jesus had finished saying all of this, he was doing a lot of teaching to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. Now, Jesus is on his way back to Capernaum, and he is approached with a situation of a man who was sick and near death. The doctors had done everything they can The family and friends have done everything they can. There's nothing left that can be done apart from a miracle. And as we begin today, maybe that is you. Maybe you find yourself in those situations where you're suffering as the servant did, or maybe some of you are like the centurion. There's someone that you love and care about, and they're suffering. And so your heart is burdened for them because there's nothing you can do. Well, here's the truth. There come times in our lives where we are pushed to the limits of our own resources. It might have come from a tragedy or a loss. You may feel exhausted. When we come to those moments, when willpower is not enough, what do we do? Where do you find your strength? This centurion knew the only hope he had was to seek out Jesus. So here's what he does in verse three. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. See, the centurion knew his only hope was Jesus. And so he sends word to Jesus. Remember, he is a Roman, Jesus is a Jew. So he goes to the Jewish elders, some spiritual leaders, perhaps are friends of his, and he says to them, hey, could you do me a solid and go and ask Jesus to come? I've heard that he can heal. I need him to come and heal my friend. Now the religious people go, but what do they do? They tell Jesus, this man deserves to have you do this. Jesus, you owe this guy because he built our church, their synagogue. I want you to catch this because religious people tend to work this way. Their view of God is always rewards-based. If I do certain things, God, you owe me. They're always keeping score. God, I've given my money. I've attended church. I've volunteered. You owe me. But I want you to hear me. God owes you nothing. God gives us life and breath. God is obligated to no one. But because he is loving, he gives us his grace. Grace, by definition, is receiving what we don't deserve. And so they come to Jesus, and instead of asking humbly, Jesus, could you be gracious to this man? They instead come to Jesus religiously, and they say, you owe this guy. But Jesus, being who he is, Jesus is kind and generous and gracious and merciful. Well, what does he do? Verse 6. So Jesus went with them. This centurion is a lifetime soldier. Centurion means commander of a hundred. So he is a military leader, he's a warrior. This is a man who goes into battle and leads other men. But we see in the centurion a sense of humility. He sends the elders to meet Jesus. Then as Jesus is getting even closer, he sends more servants saying, I'm unworthy to have you, Jesus, in my home. How many of you, if Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, you would say, "Oh." don't bother. No, most of us would think this is going to be great. I mean, I'm going to get photos with Jesus and videos with Jesus and my media, my social media is going to go viral, but not this guy. He thinks, you know what? I don't need to waste Jesus' time. Jesus is very important. Jesus, you don't even have to come. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. He is very humble. In verse nine, we read Jesus' response. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And he turned to the crowd following him and said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. This is a huge statement. Remember who was walking with Jesus? Those religious leaders that had been sent? Jesus' disciples are with him. All of these are Jewish men who are supposed to understand God's power. They had read about it since they were boys. Some of them are even teaching about God's miracles in the past. And Jesus looks at them and says, of all the people who should have faith, this soldier of the occupying army has more faith than all of Israel. I want you to catch this. Jesus came for all people. Jesus loves the Jew and the Gentile, the rich and the poor. We see him serving the slave and the free. We we see that Jesus loves all people. Jesus is for all nations, young and old and rich and poor and single and married. Jesus is for all. One God, one Savior, one answer. Verse 10, then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Jesus doesn't even have to continue his trip. We aren't really told what happens, but presumably Jesus simply speaks. And when the men return, the servant is healed. Now, I want us to grab a few things about Jesus from our story. One of my buddies is in the Canadian Armed Forces, and he was actually stationed in Meaford locally. He was responsible for training new recruits, and much like this centurion, he had men under him. He had authority to tell them what to do and they would listen. And I love the fact that the centurion, he gets this. So the first thing I want us to pull out of this about Jesus is Jesus is in charge. The word we use is sovereign. The centurion says, I understand the chain of command. When I tell my guys to do something, they do it. I rule over a hundred warriors. You, Jesus, are in a completely different rank. And all you need to do is just give the command and healing will occur. Jesus is God become man. He has complete authority. So listen to me, for some of you listening today, your Jesus or what you think about Jesus is too small. He's a helper and he's a counselor and he's a comfort and he's a friend and he is all those things, but he's so much more. He's so much bigger, he's so much stronger. He is ruler and Lord and savior and God and king and judge. The centurion understands who Jesus is. You are at the top. Jesus, you are the creator. That's who you are. And I humble myself before you as the one in control. Jesus is the sovereign king. Come into human history to war against Satan and sin and death. He will go to the cross for our sin, and he will rise again to give us new life. Friends, your sin doesn't need to control you. Your failures, failures don't need to have power over you. Satan doesn't own you. The centurion is a battle-tested soldier. He is strong. He is tough. But he looks at Jesus and says... Jesus, you are the boss. You are in charge. You are the greater warrior. You are the king. All you have to do is say the word. Folks, that is our Jesus. That is who Jesus is. The First thing today is Jesus is in charge. Now, Jesus hears this, and what is his response? Jesus is amazed at his faith. Our second takeaway today is this. Jesus sees faith. There are two times in the Bible that we are told that Jesus is amazed. In Mark 6, Jesus was rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. It says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And here, Jesus looks at this man's faith and he's amazed. Because this man understands Jesus is God, he understands Jesus is in command and he trusts him. Everyone was telling Jesus, you have to go to this man's house. He deserves to have you go. He is worthy of your help. But the centurion understands grace in a way that the people of Israel didn't at that time. He says, you don't even have to come, Jesus. I trust you. Just say the word. And I want you to understand, Jesus looks at each of us and asks, do you trust me? Do you have faith in me? Do you love me? Do you belong to me? It really comes down to you and Jesus. And religious people might pat you on the back and say, You're a good person and you do nice things and you give a lot and you serve a lot. You are a good person, like the centurion was a good person. And those are all wonderful characteristics of a good neighbor. But these are not the marks of a Christian. The mark of a Christian is faith in Jesus. And out of that, new life flows and new character flows and change flows. And so, some of you are listening today and you would say, I believe in God. I'm a moral person. I try to help people. The question is whether or not you really have faith in Jesus as God. He sees faith. He's looking for faith. He's amazed by faith. The centurion says, I understand, Jesus, that you have authority over life. You have authority over death. You don't have to be here. Just say the word. Jesus sees his faith. The question for us, the question for you is, do you have faith? And the third takeaway and lastly today is this. Jesus is a healer. The same Jesus we read about in the Bible, the same Jesus who walked among people, who touched the blind and they could see, who touched the lame and they could walk, in this moment spoke a word. Now Jesus often spoke words over people and demons would flee, they'd be cast out of people, or people would be healed by his words. The difference in this moment is Jesus was not even in proximity to the person who needed healing. Well, how, how is that possible? Well, Jesus is God become man, God in the flesh. We call this the incarnation. In his humanity, Jesus could only be in one place at one time. We read that he's actually walking to Capernaum. He had to get there physically, but he is also fully God. And the divine nature that filled Jesus is also everywhere. God's presence wasn't bottled up in Jesus. God's presence in Jesus was actually already in Capernaum. The same Jesus who created everything with the sound of his voice. That is all it took in this moment for Jesus, who was God in the flesh, to heal the servant. Just the sound of his voice. He didn't have to be there physically. God's presence was already there. Now, I've shared this personal story before, so bear with me. When I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and I spent a lot of time in the hospital. And I don't know if I've shared this part of the story. I had heard about Jesus and been taught all the stories about God, but one day my parents, who had been sleeping in the hospital, had to go home. We lived about half an hour away, and they wanted to get some rest and get a shower. And I remember laying in bed wondering, actually thinking like, where is this God that my parents talk about? Where is God in this moment? And the spirit of God reminded me of a powerful promise. God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I so want you to grab hold of this. Maybe, maybe you are listening and you feel alone. Maybe you are suffering alone. And if you're like me, you read about Jesus and you read of how he walked with people and he touched people and he ate with people and you think, man, it would be so great to see Jesus in front of me. It would be great to have him reach out and touch me. Listen to me. God is with you. God's presence that indwelled Jesus, God's presence that was in Capernaum and healed the servant is with you now. Jesus heals simply by word because he is God. He has authority. You may not see Jesus physically, but he is with you through the Holy Spirit. He just has to say the word. Jesus is the ultimate healer, my friends. So as we wrap up today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And some of you are listening, and you're in a position of a servant. You're hurting and you're suffering. It's a very difficult time for you. You're lonely and you need to be prayed for. And some of you are like the centurion. And you need to be praying for someone who is suffering. Some of you might even say, but we're praying and I'm not even a Christian, so why am I praying? Listen, the centurion started as a non-believer, a non-Christian, and he reached out to Jesus and placed his faith in Jesus. Maybe that is you and you need to pray and place your faith in Jesus. We believe that God can and does answer prayer. We believe that God can and does heal. So wherever you are listening right now, I want you to take a moment and pray. I want you to step out in faith. Oswald Chambers said this, faith is a deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. The centurion didn't know a lot about Jesus, but he was confident in this one thing. He knew Jesus had the ability to heal his servant. We live, friends, with a confidence that Jesus is in charge Jesus sees faith, and Jesus is a healer. So why don't you just join with me as we pray. God, I thank you that you are a God who cares, a God who loves, who hears us, and who heals. I thank you that you are powerful. And so we come to you at all different places in our life. Some are hurting in this moment. I pray for those who are suffering, that they would sense your presence, I pray you would meet their need. You would show yourself to be strong and powerful. I pray for those who, like the centurion, love someone perhaps who is suffering. Help us to have confidence when our faith is weak, when we don't understand. Help us to trust that you are in charge. We believe you are a healing God, so I pray healing on bodies, healing on relationships, healing over minds, and freedom over oppression. Lord Jesus, would you bring glory to your name through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, my friends. If you have any questions, we would love to have you reach out to us. Have a great week. Take care.